Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. As it is NFL Week 9 as we record late on a Wednesday evening, early on a Thursday morning, whatever floats your boat as you listen on a Thursday morning afternoon. We run through the weekly rotation and hopefully find you some winners along the way. As I said, I'm Greg Frank, joined by our full slate jack of all trades, Alex Sufflinger. Does a little bit of everything, managing the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod at Alex underscore of seven on his personal account. And, uh, you know, he produces a little bit, co-host here, so... Alex, good to have you back as we get through another NFL weekly pod. And, uh, yeah, I know we talk about this at the beginning of every pod, how it's another higher number in the, you know, week schedule. And now we're at nine and we're, we'll be officially halfway through nine of the 18 weeks in the books come Monday evening. (laughs) I was going to say we're officially halfway through the season, which is very upsetting it always sucks seeing it, you know, go up another week. But just NFL is unmatched. Another incredible, fun week. So many good games. Just so much fun. They're really unmatched. I, I see why Goodell is making the type of money he makes. This is just an incredible <laughs> week. I mean, despite all my losing bets, it's, I still have so much fun watching. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, we'll jump right into the first game, and I think it's a perfect illustration of that. Like, I think everybody around the country is going to be glued to Jets-Colts on Thursday Night Football. and <laughs> Mike White, oh my God, did you see that fucking bet? I got yeah. $1,000 on Mike White to have the most passing yards of the week. Won like 120000 Wow, I actually did not see that one. That's crazy. Not, not a bad payout. I saw Mike White made fifty thousand dollars to play in the game. That was his game check, and this guy cashed one hundred twenty-five thousand. <laughs> that is funny. Well, speaking of Mike White, him and Gang Green roll into Lucas Oil Stadium to begin the NFL Week Nine rotation, and the Jets are a ten and a half point road dog. A total in this game of forty-six. Uh, I'll start. We're actually both going to like the home chalk here. It is a hefty number to lay, but you look at Indianapolis and prior to Sunday afternoon's loss against Tennessee, the Colts were trending in the right direction. And if Carson Wentz doesn't make some mistakes late in the game, they probably win that game against Tennessee and they're at four and four instead of three and five heading into this one. So when you look at it that way, I do think that I don't want to say phony result because Indianapolis to an extent, made its own bed with those turnovers from Wentz. Uh, but at the same time, I do expect the Colts to respond with a you know a, a fever pitch, I guess, let's say, uh, with their effort on Thursday evening. Uh, and they're at three and five, and, uh, you know, it's put up or shut up time, really, for Indianapolis. They have to win this game, and I think for their own m- morale, win it by a convincing margin just to prove that the loss to Tennessee the other day was nothing more than a blip on the radar screen as they try and make a second half push and get to the playoffs. So Indianapolis uh, really needs to bounce back in a big way. And then you look at the Jets. Well, what do they need to bounce back from? They just got a big win. Mike White, as you said, really with a uh, coming out party, I guess we can say. Um, and Robert Sala and, and the Jets. Like, it just felt like the way they won that game against the Bengals, which, by the way, I saw you tweet, like that was just the most obvious Bengals flat spot, and anybody that bet that it looked like they might even cover for a little bit there, and like anybody that bet the Bengals was just getting lucky, and that was like dead clock right, right twice a day. But give the Jets credit. They came back, and they found a way to get it done, and I do think Bad teams like the Jets coming off of crazy emotional wins like they had against the Cincinnati Bengals usually are good fades the next week. And that would be on a normal week. Here you have a short week. And another thing we've talked about, we actually brought this up and actually the first year coach on the Thursday night game ended up cashing earlier in the year with Urban Meyer covering the number, albeit in a loss against the Bengals. I love fading the first-year coach in his first Thursday night game of the season, which is what we have here with the Jets as well. Colts minus 10.5 for me. Have to fade the Jets in this spot. There's no chance. Just no chance that. No, have to fade. There's no chance that that Mike White is going to repeat this performance. I completely agree. I, I think the Colts are the only side here. I'm going to lay it. I really hate laying this many points in the NFL. You always have that back door open, but Jets are just coming off a great win. 
Colts coming off a dramatic loss. That Carson Wentz interception was super disappointing. Just such a Carson Wentz play to make. Just throw the ball on the fucking ground, dude. Like, come on. Yeah, we're going Indy here. That's the only side to play. Let's go to another game in the AFC South, AFC East battle, and it's the Houston Texans traveling to the Miami Dolphins, and we have the Texans catching six and a half on the road against Miami, total of 45 and a half. Alex, you've been plugging your nose plenty with Houston this year. Varying success. Uh, I don't know, actually. Well, I guess last week you got a bad number. So uh, I don't know if you've had any success with the Texans, but you haven't hesitated to back them. I will say I kind of lean that way just on the premise of what the hell are the Miami Dolphins doing laying six and a half points. And you look at Miami and they just a team that finds ways to lose. And in the case of last week, finds ways to not even cover in a game that they were kind of competitive in with Buffalo for two, two and a half quarters. So I don't know. I, 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 I cannot play Miami here. That's for sure. Texans might get Tyrod Taylor back. So that would obviously be an upgrade over Davis Mills. I'm not going to play Houston, but gosh, the Miami Dolphins and their one win are a six and a half point favorite. Like, what more do you need to say to pass this game? <laughs> yeah, this is a complete pass. I want absolutely nothing to do with this. I I have been plugging my nose. It's so unfortunate. Last week, the Texans had closed, I guess, 16 and a half. I got 14 and a half. And then, of course, they cover the closing number, and I don't get that. I Thought Tyrod Taylor was going to play. That's the only reason I really bet this number. I'm not really sure if he's going to play this week, I would assume, because he was on track last week and then they scratched him late. But yeah, this game is just fucking terrible. Just, I hope this isn't even playing at a bar. I hope no one has to actually watch this game. I completely want to pass this. I, Cannot lay this number with the Dolphins, and I really don't want to back the Texans at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about this game. It is uh, completely a last game at the bar, corner game at the bar game, which we always like to make fun of. But, um, I mean, there's not even many fantasy-relevant players in this game. Brandon Cooks. Is about the only must starter. Maybe Miles Gaskin or Devontae Parker finds their way into a fantasy lineup. But yeah, this is an ugly game and you shouldn't bet on it. And that's all we're going to say. Let's move forward and go to Big D where the Dallas Cowboys welcome in the Denver Broncos. Dallas is a 10 point home favorite total in this game of 49 and a half. Denver coming off of that win, actually, you may be seeing nine and a half. There are tens out there, though. Bet Online is at 10. Um, my book is at 10. Um, so nine and a half tens. If you can get a 10, great. I would like it at nine and a half, though. Uh, Alex, this is something we talked about. Dallas is just one of those things where they're seven and oh against the spread. And if you told me at this point in the season, anybody would be seven and zero against the spread. Dallas is the only team that is that I would just start thinking automatically fade pretty soon anyway, because you're just not going to see teams. Like I I don't care who it is. 
the Vegas markets are going to catch up to these teams and uh, they're not going to routinely cover numbers. And so now you have Dallas at home and, you know, what's going on with Dak Prescott and, you know, he didn't play last week, seemed to be more of a precautionary thing on the Cowboys part. Uh, but he is coming back and playing even without Von Miller is still a pretty good Denver defense. We saw them kind of stifle the Washington football team offense last week. And uh, Patrick Sertan looks like he may be the defensive rookie of the year. He's been excellent for Denver outside. I, I do think there's a path here for Denver to limit the big plays for Dallas, which automatically makes you lean that side. And then you look at the other side of the ball and Denver is the, you know, this is Teddy Bridgewater in his typical spot of big dog on the road, protect the football, distribute it to his playmakers. Jerry Judy is back, had his first game back last week, you know, Cortland Sutton, whoever it may be. Um, he's got the two backs who are both pretty good in Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, uh, it's this. This is where we like Teddy Bridgewater. Keep it close. Score enough points. If Denver gets three touchdowns, throw a couple field goals into it, they'll definitely cover this game. Uh, Dallas's defense is playing well and and definitely improving. Um, but I'm not really also seeing the reason for Dallas to to get any margin here. I mean, you, you think about the Cowboys. Everybody looks at them as a legit contender at this point. Like, I don't think that they need to make any kind of statement. They're playing Denver, so it's not like there's a lot of history with these two teams that bad blood, reason for Dallas to run it up. Like, I'm struggling to think if I'm Dallas, why I would even want to win this game by a lot of points. Like, they just won a primetime game in dramatic fashion last week against Minnesota. Dramatic fashion, walk-off win prior to their bye week against New England. I just don't see Dallas right now getting this kind of margin. So um, I definitely think they're at the very least due for a non-cover. And yeah, I mean, I, I think Denver here will be able to keep it close. And as I said, they, they won last week and maybe the Von Miller trade might've sucked a little bit of life out of them, but it's still Vic Fangio needing to prove his worth. And as an NFL head coach, Denver's a pretty nondescript four and four that three and O kind of fell apart fast, but um, I, I do like the Broncos to keep this game close. I'm with you. This just screams Teddy covers, especially as an underdog. He's an NFL best 68% cover rate against the spread. He's 39, 17 and one against the spread. As an underdog, we just love him in this spot. This feels way too high. Even if Dak is going to play, which I assume he is, but he was limited in practice today. And last week we saw him in a walking boot and they held him out. Obviously, they just didn't want to risk it, which makes sense against Minnesota. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we saw that again this week because they're just comfortable with what they saw from Cooper Rush last week. So they might think, you know, we can win this game without Dak. So I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't play. But obviously, one more week. Interesting. Yeah, and obviously this line says that he's going to play, but 
We saw that last week. Well, and not only does it say that he's going to play, but it says that he's going to just jump right back into his MVP form. Right, and be, be completely normal uh, and, and, and they're going to blow Dallas, him out. Like, yeah. With how precautionary they seem to be taking Dak Prescott's – I mean, if you watched Hard Knocks, they were very, you know, kid gloves with him returning from last year's injury. And, you know, they preached long-term, and, and that was a you know, preponderance of caution with uh, – last week and holding him out like I don't think that Dallas comes back and just unleashes Dak and lets him throw 40 45 times either. <laughs> right even even if he before plays, he like, got gosh. hurt remember they were having right. a lot of success with the one-two punch of Zeke and Tony Pollard so if you don't think that they're gonna throw a lot anyway here then you and you think that the Denver run defense can at least limit the chunk gains then again, it becomes uh, it certainly calls into question where the big margin is coming from from Dallas, because normally to cover these numbers, double digit numbers in the NFL, you need those big plays here and there. Dallas has the playmakers to do it. I just don't know if that's their game plan this week. No, I agree. I think they'll definitely keep this on the ground board, even if he plays. But doesn't this feel like the perfect spot to not rush him back again? Like if there's right. any it's a, sort it's of a hesitation game, you know, at home, huge lead in the division, a like, team that you think you can easily beat your nine, nine and a half, 10 point favorites. Like why would you rush him back this week? If you were kind of cautious last week, I could see him sitting again this week and then like, especially with how well Cooper Rush played. They might be comfortable with that. So they might be thinking, you know, we can probably squeak this one out just running the ball and Cooper Rush not making a ton of mistakes. We can beat this Denver team, but not when you got fucking Teddy two gloves on the other side. That's the cover machine. (laughs) You got to take this number here. Have to. So agreement. That's probably my favorite side of the week is the Broncos catching all these points in Big D against the Dallas Cowboys. Let's go to Charm City where the Baltimore Ravens host the Minnesota Vikings. Baltimore is a six point home favorite total in this game of forty nine and a half. Alex likes the side. I like the total. I'm going to play this game under the forty nine and a half. Um. Uh, one thing I don't like about this is Baltimore coming out of a buy. I always worry about certain uh, unders out of buys because I do think that that uh, allows whoever the offensive coordinator is or the play caller or the head coach to have a little bit more time to come up with a few more tricks in the bag. Having said that, I do think that the Minnesota Vikings have just been so anemic offensively. And a lot of that has been a little too much of a reliance on Kirk Cousins, where if you're Minnesota, I think you just have to say, you know what, Dalvin Cook, you're our franchise, essentially. And I know that Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are brilliant. But if you don't have a quarterback that can routinely get them the ball and utilize their skill set to the best of his ability, then it does kind of render their talents not irrelevant, but it, it minimizes them, no doubt about it. And so I think if you're Minnesota, you want to try and shorten this game with Dalvin Cook, and we could see Alexander Madison a little too. I mean, he was 
somebody that they did draft in the third round. So I think that's probably the game plan for Minnesota in the path is to go pretty run heavy and try and find themselves in a 17-17 game in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, and, and, and the next score wins, one of those type of deals. Then you look at Baltimore, and we know they like to run the ball. I mean, that's just who they are offensively. Doesn't Even this year with whoever the ball carrier is, and Lamar Jackson, a very capable running quarterback himself. So I just think there's a lot of running here. I think this clock goes tick, 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 and – 49 and a half feels like a high total for one of these games. I mean, if there weren't some of the names in this game, like a Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Lamar Jackson, whoever it may be, I don't know that we're seeing, you know, when you think about these low total games, it's offenses with a lack of weapons that just like to run the ball. Well, there's the weapons for these teams, Hollywood Brown having a really good year for Baltimore, but I think the identities are more suited towards running. And so, I just think both teams run a lot. I like the game under the 49.5. Alex, you like the Ravens here. Yeah, I do. I really love the Ravens off a of bye. I know John Harbaugh is 9-4 and four against the spread off a of bye. Saw Daniil Hunter. He's out for the season. He led the Vikings with six sacks. A- Massive loss. The Vikings are actually first in the NFL in sacks per game. They really get after the quarterback, but losing Hunter, I think that's a loss that not many people are factoring into this game. And the Ravens are actually they're pretty good in the NFL against a run. They're they're fourth in the league. They only allow 86 yards per game on the ground. So we're gonna have to make Kirk Cousins beat them. And I just, I can't imagine that he's going to be able to utilize his weapons on the outside. Like we saw last week, he really couldn't get it going. It was honestly kind of unbelievable. And then uh, I just really like the the Ravens offense, the, the matchup here. I, I think their defense can can limit the running game. And then I think the Ravens will be able to put up plenty of points to cover the spread. I kind of do lean with you on the under. I could see this being like a 27-17, you know, Ravens get the cover and it goes under 49. Yeah, I just don't that know does feel kind of high. Coming from, from Minnesota Where here. Where are the points going to come on that side of the ball? Yeah, I don't, I don't see them putting up 20 or more points. I, I could see easily 17 or under. I mean, you probably like Baltimore's defense better than Dallas's, even though Dallas has been playing better. And I do, yeah. You know, right. And what was it, 16 at home that Minnesota put up last week? So Yeah, and but I still have that whole, like, Kirk Cousins, Kurt, Kurt as a... Kirk in prime Bruce time, Allen yeah. Would, Bruce Allen would always call him Kurt, which always fucking boiled my blood. Like, his name is Kirk. We call him Kurt. <laughs> He just refuses to pronounce his name right. But, yeah, the Kirk the Kirk primetime thing kind of makes me weird. Like, maybe he was just down because he just historically performs poorly in primetime for whatever reason. I mean, we saw it last week. They flipped the entire line. Like, they were they were dogs the entire week and yeah. their favorites, and they, they lose the game outright to Cooper fucking Rush. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm with you on the side. I, I could only look to Baltimore. I mean, Minnesota just feels like one of the more boring teams in the league. Like, you have a, a, a 500 team thereabout. And other than Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, like, you mentioned Hunter being out for the year. Like, there isn't much that you can hit your wagon to if you're a Vikings fan and say, well, we're 500, but we have player X who's really young and, and on the rise. Like, as I said, it's such Jefferson. A, such a boring team. Like, the, the outside weapons are incredible, but put them in the hands of any other quarterback, and they would probably be thriving. Like, Jefferson right. didn't do and, shit last week. And, and they, they on excuse me, on their offensive line, and they're not really getting the results there. Garrett Bradbury was a first-round pick. Ezra Cleveland was, I think, a second- or a third-round pick. Uh, Christian Darasoff, first-round pick this year. Um, so, I, I, and I know they took another interior offensive lineman in this past draft. So, uh, Brian O'Neill, their right tackle, was a second-round pick in 2018 out of Pitt. So, it, it, you, it should be a much better offense than it is, and it's just not. And then you look at their defense and it's just a lot of veteran guys that are trying to they're trying to piece it together with guys at the end of their careers. Essentially, like Patrick Peterson's not on the field right now, but he's one of those guys. And, you know, uh, Everson Griffin came back. I think it's also I think it's also worth noting that this game is being played in Baltimore on grass. I feel like Mike Zimmer is his best at home with that insane crowd. Yeah, on the turf, way faster, and they still couldn't beat Cooper Rush. So right, like I, I just feel like Minnesota is like that's why I'm with you on the Ravens side. It feels like they're like a a team that might tap out on the season, maybe. I mean, and Zimmer could get fired. It would not shock me. So. Uh, you know, he's been there for eight years now. This would be the first time he missed the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. Just not a lot to be excited about for the Vikings right now as we are moving through the middle portion of the season. Let's go uh, a little south of Baltimore and go to Charlotte, where the New England Patriots head to Carolina to take on the Panthers. We're seeing New England, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite in this game. Total of 41. Obviously, Patriot teams, low totals, and Sam Darnold, uh, let's just say doesn't have the faith of the odds makers right now. So um, I, I could not play that total. I mean, it's, it almost feels like ridiculously low. Um, and so and, and New England, as I said, I think I've talked about this the last couple of pods, how I thought that the Patriots were on the precipice of a breakthrough. And I think we're seeing that now. And that's why rather than just play the game over, which is certainly how I would lean on the total, and New England's offense has definitely been competent the last couple of weeks, to say the to say the least. I bet this game earlier in the week, tweeted it out at New England minus three. It would have been, I missed the spaces conversation last week, but it would have been one of my early plays, would have been New England. Uh, I have no reason not to keep betting them. I bet them against the Jets. I bet them against the Chargers. I'm going to do it again here. Uh, and, you know, you look at where they're at in the AFC. I, I, I think this is kind of a role that the Patriots – can kind of embrace a little bit. Nobody's really talking about them. And it's an AFC that I feel is pretty wide open. They're in the same division as Buffalo. They're going to get opportunities against the Bills to really prove themselves. If you're a believer in the Bills, fine. I don't blame you. Uh, But after that, you know, you have Baker and the Browns, and we'll get to them in a little bit. Like, they're fading quickly. You have 
the Ravens who have been in a lot of iffy close games and games in which, you know, they lose in overtime to the Raiders. They need a 66 yard field goal by Justin Tucker to beat the Lions. So the Ravens have certainly showed a few blemishes, you know, and the Chiefs obviously have been far from the Chiefs. Chargers just lost to New England. So I, my the point I'm making here is I think that New England kind of thrives can embrace this kind of underdog role that they've been in. Nobody's really talking about them. And even in the AFC playoff picture, even though they're four and four and and they're really right there and they're playing much better football. Mac Jones looks like a competent NFL quarterback. You obviously the rookies haven't really set the bar that high, but I think you have to say he's been the best rookie quarterback. He's easily the best, right? Oh, easily, you know, and, and we knew that new England was going to run the ball and usually run it well. Um, And the defense did a pretty nice job on Justin Herbert last week. And now they get Sam Darnold, who they know and dominated when he was on the Jets. So uh, Sam Darnold is seeing fucking ghosts. Oh, my God. Gets the Belichick defense again. Are we positive he's going to play? Yeah. And, And you look at Carolina overall. I mean, they win a game. They limp to the end there against Atlanta. Christian McCaffrey back, I would say, yep. is a huge boost. But I, I don't know if it matters when you have such an inept quarterback. Like, and not an only inept 3-0 quarterback. is such a smokescreen. But let me let you get in more now, then. do you Are you with me on a lot of that New England stuff? Like, do you think that they're oh, 100%. The right I'm, I'm, here? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely with you. But unfortunately, I got three and a half i saw this opened at two and a half which i would love to be holding two and a half patriots i grabbed three and a half i'm still gonna play sam darney ranks 25th in espn's qbr he has seven touchdowns to eight interceptions i'm not even positive if he's gonna play he was limited in practice today he's got the concussion and then the shoulder injury and his backup philip walker i know you, you probably like this guy he's a He's a Temple grad with the Temple coach, but XFL great, which I do like, but he was not good last season. He had well, and, five and, interceptions and one touchdown. He might as well be a rookie, and we talk about Belichick. Yeah, absolutely. Quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm if not positive. Longer, yeah. I'm not – yeah, I'm not positive who's going to play here, and I'm not so sure that it's like – such a downgrade from Darnold to Walker. Although, I mean, both have been kind of bad in their career. So, are we really, I'm not concerned, to be honest. I think you got to lay with the Patriots here, despite being on the road. McCaffrey back, which is a huge boost for their offense. But who can get him the ball? Both these quarterbacks are not very good. Darnold, honestly, might be worse. He, he's looked absolutely terrible. He's Throw some of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. I just, I, I think he's seeing ghosts again. He, he looks <laughs> horrendous. And then this yeah. defense has kind of taken a complete step back after we really liked them. Granted, they played some of the worst offenses in the NFL to start the season, but I think that J.C. Horn injury that we saw against Houston Several weeks ago, I think that's a, a major blow. He was he was really looking good. He was really solidifying that that outside secondary. While we're the talking Panthers. about the Carolina defense, I, I'm not playing it. I'm actually on the other side, but 
Stephon Gilmore revenge game. I was waiting for you to say it. I don't hate the angle. I just uh, is he up to speed? Are we sure? I don't know. Maybe a a, a Mac Jones over interceptions prop or Carolina's offensive touchdown. We talk about that prop. So just saying. Yeah, I don't hate that. That's that's definitely not the worst angle I've heard. I I mean, it's worked. It's worked a couple times. But let's move on. And by the way, I did look. New England, they don't play Buffalo for another month. They go to Buffalo on uh, December the 6th. That's It's a primetime game. Uh, I don't know what day of the week the December 6th is, but it's a primetime game. Then they play them again right after Christmas. So I'll be curious to see where both New England and Buffalo are in a month. Uh, because like I said, I, I think Buffalo or New England, excuse me, is moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, still look. You think you could get like, Sneaky, sneaky odds on Patriots to make the playoffs. Uh, it's got to be oh, plus money. It, it, I would think, yeah. Although I don't know how sneaky the playoffs is for them at that at this point. I mean, it, it's they are still just four and four. But um, like I said, you look at part of the reason I thought this was coming for them was just because they had lost some games that they were in, and people thought, well, oh, no, they got no shot against the Bucks and. And they end up covering that game and should have won the game. Belichick screwed up kicking that field goal at the end. He should have gone for it, fourth and three, convert and move the sticks and not give Brady the ball buck. That was a bad decision. Absolutely. You, you, know, sh- you can't lose to the Dolphins. Though. Right. That was the game, week one. And I, I wonder how much different. It's tough to say week one is like panic mode, but you, you can't lose to this Dolphins team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe what's holding me back from being a little more bullish on New England, but. Let's see what they do on Sunday. I like the Patriots minus three, um, and you're with me minus three and the hook. Let's stay in the AFC East. Buffalo traveling to Jacksonville. And if the Bills weren't so good, then we'd say that the Houston-Miami game had some company for the corner TV at the bar game as Buffalo is laying 14.5 in Duval, total of 48.5. We got lucky laying it with Buffalo last week, and we talk about how it's so difficult to lay these numbers in the NFL because Alex, last week's Bills game is a perfect example of that. You're either going to get super lucky like we did, or the only way it's the clear right side is if the big shock just dominates the game from the get-go. And maybe Buffalo, I, I, I think if you're going to play Buffalo, you have to play in first half on the basis that they didn't start well against Miami and they were a little sleepy coming out of their bye week. I, you would think maybe they look to come out of the gate a little bit quicker here. Uh, Jacksonville looks like a dead team. There was, I don't know if there was pro money on them, but I I saw some support for them uh, going to Seattle. It seemed like some people liked them uh, catching the field goal three and a half. I, I mean, yeah, that might've been, that might've been fade Geno Smith money as well. Fade Geno is a favorite, right? It might've just been yeah, that, the- but. Having said that, I can't get there with either side in this game. Uh, I feel like at 48 and a half, this total maybe is a tick low on the basis that Trevor Lawrence, like you can almost just count on him to throw interceptions and give the opposing defense a short field. <laughs> right, short you know? field touchdowns. But maybe we also a saw six. Buffalo's offense uh, look kind of sleepy, as I said last week. So I have nothing further on this game. I look forward to not watching it. <laughs> Can we fire up the 
Urban Meyer gone bandwagon again. We were we were super on it, and then they looked kind of competitive and kind of jumped off for a minute and started betting the Jags again. And I took them last week, and it was just absolutely embarrassing. This team is fucking lifeless. They do nothing correct, which probably falls down to coaching. They they literally can't do anything right. Jacksonville. Is, yeah, I mean, right. Alex, like we've talked. Uh, before, uh, you know, uh, I think thankfully we both avoided it last week where uh, but we've fallen for the Detroit Lions as a trendy dog at times. And that's been kind of on the basis that, well, OK, Dan Campbell, like, has been playing hard some weeks and like they covered against the Rams. They covered against Baltimore. They backdoored closing number week one against San Francisco. Like there's a fight in the Lions that just doesn't seem to even exist with the Jaguars. No, not, not even I close. Mean, yeah, they, I, the only reason the, the Jacks have the one up. win was because they had to fight tooth and nail, and they get a 50-yarder to tie yeah. it against Miami in a London game that was just hideous. Like, that's the right. only reason they have a win. Like, they're I, totally I, dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Completely dead. Like, Irv Meyer was literally playing for a fucking boarding pass. He was just trying to get back to America. <laughs> they lost that game. He was he was staying. He would have he would have found a British one, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. There's probably plenty of those. I'm sure he could have found one or two. Several pubs to find in London. By the way, I, I loved the uh Urban Meyer Halloween costumes. I'm sure you saw some of them. I mean Oh my god, I did I did see a couple of those. Those are definitely number one. That, the Squid Game stuff is a little played out. Everyone knows about that. But the Urban Meyer costume, that is incredible. That was so I went, I went yeah, with the by the way, from Caddyshack. I had the bucket hat. I had a Bushwood Country Club shirt. I'll have to text it to you. <laughs> but I thought I did pretty well. Nice. I like <laughs> that a lot. That's a good one. So, yeah, uh, Buffalo and Jacksonville. That, that, that's all we'll say on that. We spent more time talking about Halloween costumes than we did the game. So uh, let's move forward and go to the AFC North, where um, there's, there's some interesting storylines in this game between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. As the Browns head to it's the Battle of Ohio, the Browns head southwest to take on Cincinnati. Looks like one and a half, two. Two and a half, depending on where you shop. Total in this game of 47. Um, Alex, I'll let you do a lot of the talking on this game because I know you went back and forth. You leaned, uh, actually liked Browns earlier in the week. Now you're on the Bengals. I, I, I'm kind of like, this is why sometimes I, I think the dangers, and I don't blame you for grabbing Browns plus three early in the week, thinking, you know, Browns in a little bit of a bounce back spot having lost the divisional game against Pittsburgh last week. But then this is one of the things I think that's kind of one of the pitfalls of betting early is the fact that you don't know how the week is going to play out Monday through Saturday for certain teams. And all of the headlines and all of the stories right now for Cleveland, like nothing's screaming to bet on them. Like it just seems like they are headed in a bad direction here with Odell Beckham Jr., doing Odell Beckham Jr. things. I mean, he's just known to be a diva and to get in the way of teams. But, that but in, his, in his defense, he, he really hasn't done 
much at all. His dad tweeted out some some yeah, highlight but, video of like him yeah, not getting the ball. It was an eleven minute video. Do you really think yeah, his dad acted to defend is like, anyone fucking watching that? That's <laughs> way too long, dude. On Twitter, give me give me three minutes at most, and I'll watch that. Right, eleven so minutes of incompletion. It was that long. Makes me think that Odell had somewhat of a role in it. There's no oh, way. You that. know he's. You know he has the final call on that stuff. Right. There's no way his dad is throwing that out yeah. there. And then we don't even like. It's, it's fucking turmoil. Last week, and he doesn't look healthy. And obviously that Steelers defense is better than the Bengals defense, but it's also a big bounce back for Cincinnati, who I think did enough prior to the Jets game to earn our trust. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about how if the Bengals were still the Bengals, they would not have gone to Detroit and kicked the crap out of the Lions like they did in what was an obvious look ahead spot to Baltimore the week after. And then they go to Baltimore and blow out the Ravens on the road. So I think that I'm willing to excuse the Jets' loss. As we said, it was a very easy letdown spot, and the only reason we weren't betting the Jets, like we probably we both we were both saying last week, if Zach Wilson's in, probably a little more comfortable taking the Jets. Obviously, the number would have been shorter, but you're still probably looking at seven, six and a half with the Jets, something like that. Um, yeah, so, just way too much uncertainty with Mike with White. White. But right. so now obviously, the, we would have played it. The Bengals, you don't have those same letdown elements here. Like, it's a division game, and, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs. Make no mistake about it. Second year for Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase looks like the runaway offensive rookie of the year. And they're 5-3. and three. Baltimore's 5-2, and two, and they already have that head-to-head win against Baltimore. Ravens are the only team they're looking up at in the AFC North. So I think Cincinnati bounces back here. And almost the fact that you haven't heard anything Bengals-related this week kind of makes you like them even more because, again, all the Brown stuff just doesn't seem to be good right now. I think Kareem Hunt's still out. So while Chubb came back last week, like you're down one of your key cogs in the backfield, and we know they like to run it a lot anyway, even if Baker's healthy, much less now when he's not at 100%. I I like the Bengals here, and I'm going to lay the short number. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to also take the Bengals. I initially saw Browns plus three, and I thought that was a great play early in the week, which I took. But I eventually just cashed out and then played the Bengals. I I just don't see the Browns really keeping this competitive. Kevin Stefanski, he's 0-7 career against the spread against the divisional opponents at it's not great. And then you see this turmoil in Cleveland. I'll be, it's not really Odell Beckham's fault, but it's still fucking embarrassing to have this shit out on Twitter. Like, well, there's and, a lot and, going on. And the on. reason, too, that I think it's real is the Browns, as we record here early on a Thursday morning, the Browns just told Odell to fuck off and not come to practice on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, like, that's insane they clearly want nothing to do with this guy and i think you it see could lebron be a tweeting yeah you see lebron tweeting free odell like like this guy could go anywhere else i don't even know if anyone else would want to deal with this but by the way like why is lebron like like isn't he supposed to be like the 
the Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio guy? Like, why is he, like, support? Like, you would think he'd support the team, but whatever. One would think, but with that being said, yeah, Bengals, great bounce-back spot here. You're getting them under a field goal at home against a hated divisional rival. I love this. Definitely better quarterback situation. Close to a better coach. I'm not going to say better defense, but the Bengals are fifth in the NFL in sacks per game. So they definitely get after the passer. I I really like them to disrupt what the Browns are going to do. Baker Mayfield injured. Keep starting him, please. I would love to keep betting Browns <laughs> with an yeah, injured like, Baker Mayfield. He looks in We inept. almost feel worse if it's Keenum as Bengals backers. Oh, absolutely. I would be a little hesitant if it's Keenum. I feel like he's he's way more capable of running this offense while obviously healthy. I'll I'll take a sixty percent Baker Mayfield over a hundred percent Keenum as a Bengals backer, yeah, for sure. Let's move forward and go to the Meadowlands where the New York Giants are a two and a half point home dog against the Las Vegas Raiders Raiders total in this game of forty six and a half. The Raiders had their own episode with a wide receiver this week off the field incident involving Henry Ruggs as he was like, seriously, 156 miles an hour. Like unbelievable. It's BAC. Yeah. I don't, and, I don't know if we can like under underplay, like how much a piece of shit this guy is. Like he needs to go to fucking prison. Like I, Oh yeah. I want to get that I mean, out of the way. Someone this, died. This guy's a fucking His monster. blood alcohol content was twice the legal limit and he's going to fucking roof. Miles an hour. I mean, it, all right. With that being said, yeah, he's a fucking piece of shit. But this, you look at the way not condone that, this, obviously. And they immediately released him, and he's off the team. Like, I don't think, and it happened yeah. early in the week, like before they practiced uh, it all for the week. It's not like, a distraction, right? I don't think he's it's a gone. distraction he's... at all. They're coming out of their bye week, so tactically, you would expect the Raiders to be ready to go and have some offensive tricks like is kind of how I like to look at the come like Andy Reid's always one of the best coming out of a bye coaches and he's a great offensive mind and you know we'll just see what they can do on offense down rugs but having said that um this is also and you're on the Raiders here I can't play it uh short week for the Giants so you have a rest advantage in a big way for the Raiders with the Giants having played Monday night and on the road as well Joe Judge yapping about headsets and, you know, just he is annoying, I think. And I just don't really like him. But <laughs> he's he's the worst. He he might be worse than Sirianni. At least like Sirianni is actually trying. But Joe like Judge is... Because I'm an Eagles fan. But last year, he like Joe Judge is yapping about how, oh, you will never see me as a head coach of the New York Giants lose a game on purpose for draft positioning because he's so pissed at the Giants and their 6-10 and record could have won the division if the Eagles had not decided to tank against the Washington football team. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> dude, like, your team fucking sucked. Like, get it together. You know what? <laughs> your team still sucks. So having said that, uh, this line I, it did strike me as a little fishy under the three with a really bad Giants team at home against the Raiders, who are competent, let's say. Uh, but 
you know, I, having said that, this is the Daniel Jones fade spot. Like last week was where you want him. Big road dog. Short home dog is a little bit of a different story. You're on the Raiders, and uh, go ahead and take it from there. Yeah, I love the Raiders here. I, I feel like this is a a great spot. I'm, I mean, Henry Rugg, shit aside, he only had two touchdowns on the season. He's really not factoring that much into the offense. And then if you look at the Giants injury report, you see a ton of did not participate this week. You see Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Xavier McKinney, Sterling Shepard. All these guys didn't practice today on Wednesday. That's just a lot of a lot of key players for the Giants. I, this is just not a good football team. It's not well coached. They have way too many penalties. They can't even fucking wear their headsets, right? They can't even get the plays in, right? Yeah, Danny Dimes at home. I think this number is too low. I love getting the under field goal. I'll still play it up to three, three and a half. I think the Raiders will absolutely rule them here. Not much else for me to add on this one. Let's go down to the Superdome where the Atlanta Falcons travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Saints are laying six, total of 41 and a half. And yes, Saints are laying six. Like That just feels crazy when we don't know this Saints quarterback situation with Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or, you know, if Taysom's going to be back, otherwise probably going to be Simeon, uh, total 41 and a half. But I, I, Michael Thomas now out for the year, so he's not coming back. Uh, I mean, we kind of sing this same tune with the Saints every week as far as where the big plays are coming from and how they're going to be able to get the ball downfield. I'll give Sean Payton a lot of credit last week. He seemed to have a really good game plan, and the offense looked just fine, Jameis Winston or Trevor Simeon in there. So having said that, though, uh, an offense that is just this much of a question mark, you cannot lay six points with. And really what it comes down with to me is do you trust Atlanta? And that can be difficult at times right when it looked like Atlanta might be becoming a little more trustworthy. They let a game slip away there last week against Carolina to fall back below 500. Three and four this year are the Falcons. I'm checking right now to see, Alex, do we know about the status of Calvin Ridley? I know he took a a mental health uh, break last week, and it looks like that might be a a multi-week thing. Yeah, I I haven't seen any sort of update, so I think – no news in this case might be bad news. I think there would be an update right. if he was going to come back. But I'm also looking on action right now, and I'm seeing 57% of bets are on the Saints laying six, but 75% of the money is on the Falcons. So that is a very large discrepancy. I'd, well, that I makes me feel Falcons. good, too. And, yeah, yeah if you couldn't tell, I'm getting the Falcons. I'm taking Atlanta plus six as well. But go ahead. Yeah, I completely agree. I just I can't imagine laying this number with Taysom Hill and if it's Trevor Simeon, this line should be more like two, maybe three. But 
I don't think you can really trust either of these quarterbacks. I know we love Sean Payton. He's a great coach, but to really coach up these sort of quarterbacks, I don't think Taysom Hill is really ready for this kind of spot. Falcons, we like Arthur Smith, and we like what they were doing. Yeah, like you said, they they kind of they didn't lay an egg, but they they did not took quite a step back finish last off. Week. Yeah, they definitely took a step back, but I still trust Matt Ryan in this spot. Getting six, that feels like such a high number. You have to lay it here with the Falcons. I'm definitely playing that as well. Let's keep things moving and go to the city of brotherly love where the Philadelphia Eagles welcome in the Los Angeles Chargers to Lincoln Financial Field. The Chargers are a one-point road favorite, total in this game of 50. Chargers off a loss and, you know, a lot. maybe some of that Brandon Staley Kool-Aid is starting to freeze up a little bit because uh, the Chargers now, you know, it, it looks like they'll still be a playoff team, but... They're second in the division to the Raiders. They've lost back-to-back games. Uh, and obviously, last week at home, four-and-a-half-point favorite against New England. They lose the game outright. And then the Eagles do finally decide to commit to the run, and look what happens. They blow out Detroit 44-6. to Alex, you mentioned the Chargers being very poor against the run. But we don't think Miles Sanders plays yet this week either. Uh, Eagles did not shy away from using all their backs, Boston Scott, and promoting Jordan Howard. From the how how frustrating was that for, for fantasy owners? Yep. Ken I know Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell, and, and he didn't really do much. Nothing. But, you know, Jordan I, Howard gets, gets the touchdowns. I saw this line and just thought, holy crap, like the Eagles – just because they blow out the Lions, like there's no way they're actually getting market respect here. But it's just sitting there at one, kind of begging you to take the Chargers. And if the Chargers had been playing a little bit better, maybe I'd fall for it. But the back-to-back losses, I don't know. I'll, I'll see here. I don't want any part of this game. Uh, you're going to take the bait and take the Chargers, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have to. It's the the better coach, better quarterback, not necessarily the better defense. The Chargers are literally dead last in rushing yards allowed per game. They give up 159.4 rushing yards per game. And the Eagles can run the ball well. I just don't trust Nick Sirianni to really take advantage of that. The Eagles passing yards per game. 216, which is 27th in the NFL. Hertz is a solid player, but Nick Sirianni really can't game plan around this team. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, last week they they got a defensive touchdown and then they they ran the ball well, but I think I really do that again. I I don't know. I think the Chargers are going to sell out against a run and make make Hertz beat them. I don't think he can. This line is so low. It's such a fucking trap. I know that, but you have to take the Chargers here. So there it is, Alex, on the Chargers. I will stay far away from this game, and uh, let's move forward to the other game in the late window on Sunday. There's not many of them. 
them, and we've talked about it. We don't like this, but uh, actually there's two, um, and uh, it's two more to go. Green Bay and Kansas City up first, and um, let's talk about this game as the Packers are now going to start Jordan Love. I'm going to be at this game. Pretty excited to check out Arrowhead Stadium for the first time. Packers are seven and a half point road underdog, total of 48 and a half. You know, Alex, I, I wasn't really sure where we were. I mean, I actually thought Chiefs were going to be the play because they were a one point favorite. Um, and that was before the uh, the news with Aaron Rodgers having COVID. So I, I kind of felt like, oh, wow, like Chiefs, they really didn't impress anyone against the Giants and they're favored against the Packers. Like you got to play the Chiefs there. And and then the news comes out with Aaron Rodgers. And now we're seeing Green Bay up over a touchdown as a dog. And I'm thinking you got to play the Packers if you're going to play this side just based off of a little bit of an overreaction in the marketplace on the fact that Kansas City, I think, has proven time and time again not to be worth this type of price. I mean, if they can't cover 10 against the Giants and Daniel Jones, then why do we think they can cover 7.5 against the Packers and Jordan Love? That's kind of where I'm at with this game. I lean Packers, even though I obviously don't know what I'm getting with the quarterback. Yeah, I would lean that way as well. I'm just hoping this line goes up. But just too many unexpected circumstances. Like, we don't know what we're getting with Love. We obviously watch him at Utah State, so we know he's a solid quarterback. We know he can definitely find these several weapons that they have, and we know the Chiefs' defense is one of the worst in the NFL. It's just too many variables. I can't really back either of these teams. I'm, there's no chance I'm laying that with Kansas City right now, but are we are we running to the window with Bryce or Jordan Love? Sorry. I just I can't really get there with either. I'm definitely going to pass. I think if you want to fade the Packers, I, I know the Chiefs defense is terrible, but I would just play the team total under or play at Jordan Love yards under like I would not just like expecting, but but he could also like just go off for absolutely right, no reason. Like why saw Mike White, yeah, yeah. I kind of lean just the over in general and hope that the Packers put up like 17, 20 points, and and then you see the Chiefs roll with like forty points. Like, I don't know. This is this is a tough game. I I think forty eight is a little low of a total. Yeah, that is actually for a Chiefs game. That feels very low. So, um, see what happens here in Arrowhead Stadium on late Sunday afternoon. Let's go to the Bay Area. Arizona is only a one and a half point road favorite against San Francisco. Total of forty five as these two teams wrap up their regular season series at Levi Stadium. And Alex, I gotta say. I know I like backing teams coming off of extra time to prepare, which is the spot Arizona's in, having played on Thursday last week. But I wonder. I mean, I, I've been skeptical of Arizona most of the first half of the year, and I would not be surprised if there was enough to take 
from the Packers' success, particularly Packers on defense, as they're able to keep Kyler Murray under 300 passing yards and Arizona as a team only rushes for 74 yards. I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is I think there's some things that opposing defenses can do to slow down Arizona that Green Bay might have done and might be on film now to, to try and copy. And certainly San Francisco, we like the defensive personnel, particularly in the front seven that the 49ers are throwing at Kyler Murray. And we saw them in the desert back at the, I think it was early October, about a month ago, we saw San Francisco's defense really play well against Kyler Murray. And it was just an anemic offensive game from Trey Lance. And yeah, they should probably, they should have won that game. They should have won the game, or at least covered. I was on them plus four, and they lost seventeen ten. So here they are now, and Jimmy Garoppolo's back at quarterback, and the offense did get it going last week. Um, I know it was the Chicago Bears, but and and the Bears are a little bit of a punch punchline, but the Forty ers were able to score some points against a Bears defense that we all think is good. So I think San Francisco, the clear side here in a game in which they really need to have at three and four, trying to get into the wild card picture in the NFC, uh, they it's more urgency for San Francisco. And honestly, I think they did enough, as we said, in that first game where you thought they might have been able to take it anyway. And I think the 49ers getting a little more offensive production last week, carry that over. And I think they win this game. I, I may play this. I, I like the 49ers. Yeah, I can't quite get there, but we definitely love Kyle Shanahan as an underdog, especially a home dog divisional game. When I saw that line, it opened at Pickham, and now we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing one and a half plus one oh five on the money line. And then the Cardinals injury report. DeAndre Hopkins, he didn't practice today. Kyler Murray also didn't practice today. J.J. Watt, I think, is out several weeks. So, but several key cogs of this Cardinals team, especially Hopkins. I'm sure Murray is going to play despite having a bum ankle. We saw him limp off the field after that Green Bay loss, which was fucking insane. Great game. Yeah, I'm... Kyler's going to be, he's going to go. I wouldn't be shocked if DeAndre Hopkins does not play. Hamstring injuries are really tough to gauge. Didn't practice on this week, and we'll see how that goes. But I think the the Niners are the only side here. I am strongly leaning there. I think I might get there by the end of the day. Maybe we could get this line a little higher. I'm not, I'm not sure, but. I would play the Niners here pass. Let's go to the primetime games where as we wrap things up. Sunday night football, first game post-Derrick Henry foot injury for the Tennessee Titans. Is there an eight-point road underdog against the L.A. Rams at SoFi? Uh, as we're seeing the total in this game, as uh, it'll be interesting. It's a high total, and obviously – with Tennessee, you expect high total games because they have an explosive offense. 53.5 is what we're seeing for this game. And t- the Titans have a 
you know, a leaky defense. And you do have Von Miller making his Rams debut. Derrick Henry not there for the Titans. But Alex, like, we talked about this game opening five and a half, six, and now it's up over the seven. I think it would just have to be a value play on Tennessee on the basis where I can just say, I don't know that Derrick Henry's worth two and a half points anyway, especially through a key number like seven. So, listen, Tennessee, early in the year, I was kind of down on them. uh, And they certainly didn't do themselves any favors that week one blowout loss against the Cardinals and they lose to the Jets, you know. But you look at what they've done recently. They've swept Indianapolis in the division. They've beaten Buffalo. They've kicked the shit out of Kansas City. Like, they're starting to earn my trust a little more here. So, I'm leaning Titans catching the eight. Yeah, they've definitely gained a little trust. I still don't I, I was, am I am a little faith, worried, though, you know, about just what the offense looks like post Right. Are we going to have – are we going to have Tannehill throwing the ball 30, 40 times this game? Like, I don't think that's a recipe to beat the Rams. I also don't think the Rams are that good. I, I mean, they're they're solid. I, I just don't really trust them that much. I mean, we saw them beat up on the Texans against Davis Mills, and then the Texans came back to backdoor cover that to – I don't really trust either of these teams that much. I really had no feel for this game without Derrick Henry running the ball 30 times or really putting the ball in Tannehill's hands this many times. Like They might have to. I, I just, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if it's that many points for Derrick Henry. So it, it's just, it's a pass for me. It's a really tough game to play. I'm sure we'll get there with something anytime touchdown or first time. And just go Cooper Cup anytime touchdown if you if you need something. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been excellent. So every yeah, single we'll game. See. I mean, could, could he win we'll, we'll the MVP? See. Until a non-quarterback wins the MVP, I'm just yeah. Just it's been out. it's been like, decades. I think it was last. It was uh, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, which. Yeah, that would have been over ten years ago, right? Yeah, so like, could could he win it? I I would be stoked if I was holding a preseason ticket. I, sure. Oh yeah. I wouldn't no hate doubt. like a, a sprinkle on him now. I'm sure it's still some stupid well, plus know, odds. Of, Kyler Murray was probably the favorite, but you know, like we said, if is he a little banged up, and if we're right about San Francisco, yeah, I think Josh Allen. Josh it, Allen is probably the favorite. Probably yeah, maybe Allen. Yeah, so. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You're right, though. I don't feel like there's a slam dunk. Oh, that guy's the MVP. So see what happens. Uh, never really thought about that with Cup, but you raise a good point. Uh, let's wrap things up. Monday Night Football in the Steel City. Um, and uh, before we go any further, we have the Chicago Bears visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, this is my play on our new sponsor, Betcha. Uh, go ahead and check them out. Play Betcha is the app. And uh, new users can apply promo code full slate for five dollars in betcha bucks and a deposit match up to fifty dollars. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it's fun to look at some of the offerings that they allow uh, on their app. Again, it's the uh, the betcha app, and uh, this is my play. Normally, you, you, they have these showdown options where you 
take the running back or the quarterback or the receiver from they, they take one skill guy from one team and then one skill guy from the other team in one game and they pit them up against each other. And that's what I'm going with my prop here. Um, as I'm going over 186.5 for Justin Fields on the passing yards and under 248.5 on the passing yards for Ben Roethlisberger. It's really nothing else other than a play on normalcy for the Browns, which or for the Bears, which might be asking a lot. But the 186.5 for I mean, we just saw Mike White throw for what 400. So. 186.5 is just so low for a quarterback and such a low bar to clear. I think that in and of itself makes me think Justin Fields could get over this number uh, against the Steelers defense that maybe has a big lead late and there's some check down yardage that gets him over. And then the Ben Roethlisberger one, you mentioned it, Alex. Najee Harris uh, looks like a freak and a man among boys. And, you know, in a normal year without Jamar Chase being Jamar Chase, Najee Harris would be working his way into the offensive rookie of the year conversation. But, you know, it's no secret. The Steelers draft a running back in the first round because they want to get away from Ben Roethlisberger on his last legs having to throw a lot. And so I like him under 248 and a half. Mentioned Chicago's defense still being one that we think is good. Bounce back for them after last week against San Francisco didn't go as well. I don't have a lot else on this game. Six and a half feels about right. 40 is a very low total, uh, but I can't go over because the Bears could literally score seven points, maybe not even. Um, so uh, there's my bet to play. Fade or follow. I don't really care. Just. Download the app that I do care about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, fields over 186.5. Ben Roethlisberger under 248.5 for me on the <laughs> Betcha app. Yeah, definitely go and download the app. I'm having a ton of fun on there. I play almost every day. I definitely love the Ben passing yards under, but I can't quite get there with the Justin Fields passing yards over. Bears are literally dead last in passing yards per game. They only average 127 yards passing per game. Well, we might see this being a blowout. I really like the Steelers six, six and a half. I laid it at six and a half. I would probably play it up to the touchdown. I could see easily a 23-10 type of game. Maybe field throws for one touchdown or gets one on the ground. But Pittsburgh, they rank. 12th in the NFL in rushing yards a lot per game. So I think they're going to just sell out against the pass. I, I really don't see Fields having quite a day. Average 2.7 sacks per game, which is fourth in the NFL. And I think the Steelers are going to shut down the running game and kind of make Fields beat them, which might be good for your passing yards over. You get some garbage time stuff, but. We'll see. I I really like the Steelers in this spot, especially at home. Yeah, I love to lay it with the Steelers. Well, there he is, Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. Runs our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. That's going to just about do it for us here on another edition of Full Slate. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. 
NFL Week 9, halfway home after this week in the National Football League. Alex, let's enjoy it, and I'm sure we'll be talking. I'm going to try and do a college football pod with Bill Christie, so hopefully uh, we can uh, catch a few tickets on the college gridiron as well this weekend. Absolutely. It's been a ton of fun. I'm super excited for this week at NFL, but I'm also looking forward to some college basketball. Yeah, about that's a week right. away. I saw Champions some classic lines night at Madison Square Garden. So yeah, right. That that that, that, that always sneaks up on you. So <laughs> it does. And I'll tell you what. I know you feel this way, but college basketball over college football any day of the week, right? Oh, 100 percent. I'm I'm gonna take the points with Quinnipiac and uh, potentially <laughs> Siena against uh, the Bonnies. Siena with uh, isn't that uh. That's a big. I guess that's a big local rival there in New York. Yeah, the Seattle. Yeah, the upstate. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, Alex. Always fun, my guy. See we'll you, talk buddy. soon. See ya. There he is, Alex Uplander. I'm Greg Frank. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy NFL Week Nine, and of course, please play responsibly. <laughs>